0: It's time to talk all things dirty birds. It's Falcons Flyover. With John Chuckery on Sports Radio 929, The Game. Back in the Key Studios on Sports Radio 929, The Game it is John Chuckery Show, live on this Tuesday evening with you. 404 929 That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond Tech line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app you catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And of course, give me a follow at JMCH. Three one six. This is your night. Look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. Also, do don't forget Thursday. You can catch Thursday night football as a two in the Dolphins tangle with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. Coverage begins seven thirty pregame here on Sports Radio. Not on the game and on Westwood One as well. All right. Uh, pro football focus grades from over the weekend. Offensively, Kyle Pitts was number one at ninety three point two. Chris Lindstrom. Number two at 90.4. So that means in the first three weeks, Lindstrom has either finished first or second in two of the three weeks. Now, quick note about Chris Lindstrom, because you guys know how I feel about I hope Hugh Douglas isn't listening, because he needs to cover his ears on this. Okay? Right now, Chris Lindstrom grades out as the number three guard in the entire of the NFL. He's got a grade of just over 80. And he ranks third in the NFL among all qualifying guards. Day-Day. Yes, sir. You know how we made a change at center this year? Yep. Okay. Ask me how Drew Dahlman is doing this year.
1: (laughs) How's he doing?
0: Out of 44 centers Mm -hmm. that have a qualifying grade from Pro Football Focus. Okay. You with me? I'm with you. Okay. How many teams are in the league? What is it? 32, right? Okay. Yep. So, there's 44 guys. Mm-hmm. So, that would include what? Guys that are not starters? Not
1: starters, here, yeah, but okay. in rotation, I guess, yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Out of 44 centers, Drew Dolman right now comes in at 40th. Oof. Jeez. How many teams are there in the league? <laughs> 32. Oh. Did they expand to 40 recently? Jeez. So, he's got backups better than... Wow. Uh-huh. Jeez. Uh-huh. He ranks 40th among all centers. Right now. Pitts was one, Lindstrom two, Cordell Patterson. Let's talk about him for just a second. He's on pace for seventeen hundred yards. He's gonna get a thousand yards this year. Not much doubt about it. He's over three hundred. Over. Do you know the last time that somebody ran for a thousand for the Falcons?
1: Uh it wasn't was it um who when was it? Devontae Freeman
0: Devante in two thousand sixteen. Yeah, okay. Had 1,056 yards that year. Do you know the last time anybody ran for 1,200 yards or more in a season? I would guess Jamal Anderson or Warrick. Uh, Michael Turner in Michael 2011. Turner. Okay. okay. Do you know the last time anybody ran for 1,500 yards or more in a season? No. Michael Turner in 2008, who had 1,699 yards with 17 touchdowns. That was Matt's rookie year. They ran the daylights out of the football that year with Michael Turner, who came over as a free agent signing. And I've said before, Michael Turner's the best free agent signing ever for the Atlanta Falcons. Best free agent signing ever. He came over and ran them into a playoff. Matt did just enough. Remember, Matt's first pass ever touchdown to um, Michael Jenkins. But Turner ran for $1,699. So think about how long it's been. It's been it's been since 2016 that a guy's even ran for $1,000. It's been over a decade since anybody's ran for $1,200. And it's been, you know, now what, 14 years since anybody's ran for $1,500. So Patterson is going to run for at least $1,000 this year. So hell of an accomplishment. So he came in at number three offensively. London came in at number four at 78.1, and Zacchaeus came in at number five at 78. On the defensive side of the football, Richie Grant was number one, 86.4. Grady, number two, at 79.7. Ford was third at 78.3. Taquan Graham, love to see that, 77.3. Rashawn Evans at 76. Mariota was a 64.2. A.J. Terrell was a 67.6, which is better than he's been. Michael Walker's a sixty-nine-three. He's been better. And ask me about Drew Dolman's grade. <laughs> what was that grade? If you are fifty or below, then you're not better. You, you're not. You are not considered good enough to be a starter in the league. If you are a fifty or below, okay. ask me what his grade was. What,
2: what grade did he get?
0: Fifty-one point one. Oh, jeez. So he's out of out of. Out of 44 possible centers with a grade, he's 40th right now. And Drake London, by the way, has the seventh highest grade of 158 eligible wide receivers this year. So there you go. And Lindstrom, by the way, your center's bad. Thank God Lindstrom's good. Lindstrom has an elite rushing grade, by the way. He's almost at a 90 in his rushing grade. He's That's elite status for Chris Lindstrom. Remember when the morning guy told me about how he's only one of just a few guys. uh, Anyway, I love you, you know, but I like to bust his agates about that. Lindstrom is an outstanding offensive lineman, okay? He's an outstanding offensive lineman no matter how you want to slice it. Metrics, play, whatever, you can figure it out. All right, let's get to some audio here. Here's the head coach talking about CP and the running backs play so far.
2: We evaluate everything and um, we'll put together a plan. Uh, really try to how he wanted to manage the off season and uh, training camp. And there's still an art to it right now. And he's playing really good football. Um, and I, I think Tyler's doing a decent job too, supplement some carries and uh, we'll see what it takes off, but he's still a valuable piece. And we, we can still move CP around if we need to,
0: you know, even Tyler Algier is getting in the mix now and you saw his yards per carry were better. So look, this is his first NFL action. You get him going, you get him cranked up. This running attack, I think, by we get toward, especially as Hugh Douglas will say, I will still line from you." business decisions as we get later in the year. That's where this running attack is going to play dividends. And again, if we can play good along the line of scrimmage and run the football effectively, we're going to be in good shape. Here's, uh, here's Arthur talking about Kyle Pitts and his role in this offense.
2: You know, we've targeted him. Uh, pretty much the same, you know. It's just, you know, the defense has to say, and then like I said, it's a, you know, give and take. And it's probably I've said it many times why Drake been as open as he has early in the season, but still we gotta evolve, and you never wanna. We haven't played any of these three games when you really dissect it. We haven't played them the same. We've gone in there with different strategies, and there's a lot of different subtle things that I'm not gonna get into, but um, we th- we thought there were some opportunities early in this game, Mr. Mark, that we wanted to try to exploit. Um, that's why you saw the first play. Uh we got a look that we had seen and something we hadn't shown before and
0: Uh look, I don't care what anybody says. They were going to go into that game and target Kyle Pitts, be damned. Your quarterback threw his first four passes to him. Your quarterback threw four, I should say your quarterback threw four of his first five passes were in his direction. First play from scrimmage. First play you ran on offense. Huck it downfield to Pitts. Oh, that was just the read. No, one, you You dialed that play up, and we're going to go out and make a statement early on in the game. All right, there's Arthur talking about why uh, more players are rotating on the offensive side early in games.
2: We still have a lot of young guys, and we do. They're playing, and they're playing pretty good football for us. But that team last year had probably some uh, – it did. It had more veterans on it, uh, some guys, older guys, and then early on, you know, you're – uh, relying on those guys, and you're, and you're still bringing along. And, and the one thing I think that paid off for us is Richie Grant. And you know, Everybody, again, is another guy everybody wanted instant gratification. Richie Grant's playing pretty uh, damn good football right now. Yeah. He really is. And sometimes if you rush guys too early, it could be a detriment to their career. And uh, and you just got to evaluate it case by case, and there's been a plan. And uh, we we objectively look at it all the time, and it's good to see it pay off for guys like Richie. But every year is different, Josh? Uh, you are probably seeing more guys in there. Uh, you, you you definitely are.
0: Well, look, um, with all due respect, you don't have a whole ton of guys to start with on offense that are Hall of Fame caliber players. That's why you rotate a whole bunch of guys around is because you ain't got a whole lot of great players. That's the, that's the reality of your roster right now. All right, here's Arthur talking about Mariota and his accuracy and strengths as a passer.
2: You know, I think the thing too, Mark, in, in that play you're talking about, uh, he had pressure. Sometimes if a quarterback can't set their feet, you know, uh, you'd obviously would have loved to hit that, that play clean, you know, the one backed up uh, Drake there. So he was able to get that throw off. Well, Mar- what Marcus has is he's got a very, very quick release. And so at certain times in different situations, that's why I think he's very effective in the red zone. Like the, the one he threw to Drake in uh, LA. Those are tight window throws. He's got a really quick release. Um, I think he's throwing the ball really well down the field.
0: Well, look, uh, the more you keep it simple for Marcus Mariota, drop back, hot read, one throw, go, the better he's going to be. That You got to uh, – we talked about the plan needs to be simple. Run the football effectively. Don't get cute in the passing game. By the way, what did we talk about on this show the other night, Day Day? I don't remember if you were with me or some other pro- – but I said, I said on the Wade Ford show, I know for sure, 20 passes. Have right. you noticed that Mariota's attempts are going down? 33-26-20 mm-hmm. in this game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's by design. That's not random happenstance. That's by design. Minimize what you need him to do. Here's uh, Arthur talking about his line of scrimmage play.
2: What is that like Continue to improve and uh, win, win the lines of scrimmage. And um, you know our rushing attack. I've said this all the time. It goes. It's all eleven. When you watch some of those runs, you watch that big run by Patterson when he cuts back. You're gonna watch Kyle Pitts. You're gonna watch Felipe Franks and Avery Williams make those, spring those blocks. That's what have those become. You know, seven, eight yard runs into explosive runs. When you get guys buying in and all eleven. And so, um, certainly the offensive line. They're playing. Really well. Uh really like where they're trending. And it's gonna be a unique challenge. We got a huge challenge this week against Cleveland. Uh, their front, aggressive front, penetrating front. We know everybody knows about Miles Garrett, and they'll they'll be ready to roll. I mean, everybody sees the tape. I mean, they're gonna it's gonna be a really physical game on Sunday.
0: Where do they see the Browns offensive line too? Where do they see how good that group is with Teller and Batoni and Conklin and all those guys, right? Where do they see how good that group is? All right, when we come back, we're going to talk to Ken Segura. We're going to break down the situation at Georgia Tech. Obviously, a lot of chaos is Jeff Collins, Jeff uh, Todd Stansberry, everybody cleaning out, everybody fired, everybody gone. We'll talk to Ken up next, who covers uh, the jackets for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Chuck the Nikita Studios. Sports right now to the game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at John Chuckery Show, hanging out at the Key Studios Tuesday night with you, 4047410929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media, find us at 92.9 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And, of course, hit me up at JMCH316. Well, needless to say, just a slight bit of turmoil going around uh, Georgia Tech and their campus right now as they're looking for, oh, I don't know, an athletic director or a football coach. So, Let's head out to the Wade4Com hotline. Let's talk to our buddy Ken Segura. He, of course, covers all things uh, Georgia Tech for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. As always, check out Ken on his Twitter page, at KSeguraAJC. And, uh, Kenny, man, I know we talked to you here recently, and um, (laughs) it's funny how a thing or two has changed a bit on campus there since we last spoke.
1: Yeah, at least two things, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think we all kind of knew that, Jeff Collins' job was was in jeopardy and and thought also that that could mean the end for Todd Stansbury, the AD, and after four games, which is a little earlier than I thought could happen. But, yeah, it's it's come to pass.
0: You know, Ken, normally you get to hire a couple of football coaches or a couple of basketball coaches, but, you know, Stansbury inherited Paul Johnson, then then they obviously brought Jeff Collins in, and he did, you know, one of his early hires was bringing in Josh Pastner. Why do you think that they moved on – i you know, I'll say quickly from Todd Stansbury, why did he not get another chance to hire a football coach
1: um I'll, I'll correct one small thing Josh was actually he was the hire of Mike Levinsky's predecessor, but okay, to answer your question yeah, I, noticed, uh, I mean it did like he had Mike left i think even before, yeah before his first season Josh Pastor's first yeah, season yeah anyway, it, it was apr- I think
0: it was April of sixteen is when Pastner was hired, okay. and i think and I think right. Stansbury came on in. a little bit later in sixteen, right
1: and yeah, yeah exactly like it was november 16th, but he came up he actually started but yeah so yeah. um i think what happened is that a um even when he, you know when he started when, when he hired jeff which i think was a hire that a lot of people were on board with for you know the recruiting and, and was going to market the team well and all those things had energy and, and uh had a plan but um he gave him a seven-year contract i think which kind of raise some eyebrows because that's you know a year even two years longer than you give a head coach normally and then and then it was it was the money was it was just as much almost as much as paul johnson was making who was obviously much more experienced and had a, a track record that that jeff didn't um but then i think where he got into some real trouble was it was a just that jeff collins tenure didn't wasn't going well at all but at the end of the third year um he he said, you know, he I have my man, you know, referring to Collins. And uh, you know, I think that's probably indicative of, of how he is as a person, Todd Sansbury loyal and supportive and if he's behind his coach, you know, he wants to be show that he's supportive, he, he could have said, you know, we want to give another year or, or something more kinda of equivocal, but um to, to go with him to that extent. And then also, you know, I think you know, a lot of fans and donors were, were thinking, hoping that, okay, he's going to, you know, force or press Jeff Collins to to get rid of, you know, both coordinators. Or, or, and I think Andrew Thacker was probably the one that, the defensive coordinator was the one that more fans were kind of anxious as he go. But um, but he didn't. And, uh, and then he, you know, gave more support in terms of other, you know, staff and that sort of thing. And um, so I think that really kind of put him on the hook of, okay, it's, it's kind of like you hired him twice almost, I guess. Um, because, you know, obviously a lot of fans were ready to see him go at that point. So I think when he did that and then when the year didn't start well at all, um, that that kind of, uh, you know, said, OK, we you know, if, if you're going to back him, not just when you hire him, but then again, after he's won nine games in three years, then maybe you aren't the right guy to, to hire the next coach. Um, so, I mean, I, I get, you know, I get the argument, too, that, you know, you can make a mistake and it should be OK. But I still think, it's you know, the the. The, the logic that, you know, it wasn't just that it was, you didn't work, quite work out. It was out, you know, it was even the lowest winning percentage of, of any full time tech coach in history. So, yeah, um, you yeah, backed the, the wrong horse, I guess you would say. And, and yeah, that's, that proved costly.
0: Ken Segura joining us from uh, the AJC. AJC.com, by the way, is where you can check out all of Ken's work as we talk the Georgia Tech situation here on the Waitford.com hotline. So, before we talk about the football coach itself, what do you mm-hmm. think that Georgia Tech is looking for in an A D? Because one thing I'll mention is I do personally think, Ken, that they have to get away from the idea of a tech man for the AD, a tech man for the head coach. I mean, that you know, that seems right. to be working out less and less at some of these programs, but I think you got to get away from that. What do you think that tech is looking for in an AD? I mean, is it young? Is it a different voice. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out like, what exactly do you think is the kind of profile that they want for an athletic director at Georgia tech?
1: Right. Um, that's a good question. I'm not sure that they, I mean, maybe they know already, but I don't think that they have in mind, you know, a certain age or, or, or what have you. Cause I think, you know, if you, you know, if you're going to take what on Cabrera, the, the president said, you know, the, what Todd fault was, you know, what would cost him a job was that he he um you know, was supporting Jeff Collins. And so that doesn't you know, if you're looking for someone I I guess if you're looking for someone maybe who has a maybe a, a better record with hiring coaches. Um but uh but you know he did a lot of other things well and so it's not like you need to get you know you're you know what else so is uh, this didn't work out so we're gonna go the opposite way. But but certainly I agree to, you know they don't I think I don't think they're they're like oh we need to get another tech guy one because there aren't a lot out there but uh but yeah i mean some the other thing that they're looking for is someone that's, that can be ready to navigate you know NIO the portal and and put tech in a good place or have a good vision for that so um you know maybe that probably might be someone that could skew a little younger and has that sort of experience and, and, and creativity um so uh that, that that could you know those are the two, two of the things that that uh they talked about today at the press conference, but I don't know that it's necessarily a, a certain profile of, of age or, or anything like that. I mean, obviously you want to get someone that's qualified and
0: experienced, but not necessarily, you know, young, older, or 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 in between. So as we look in at the football coach, so Jeff Collins was getting somewhere between what, three, three and a half million. I mean it kind of, I know it escalates over the years right. uh, and stuff like that. Do you think that's a pretty realistic number for what tech wants to spend? Or do you think that they would be willing to spend more? Or do you think it would be less? Where do you think the next coach falls in the three, three and a half million dollar range for salary? Um, that's a good question.
1: Um, and I, I, I know that they're they're pretty strapped financially. Um, you know, they're, they're like they're, what you call their bank account. They're $12, $12 million or so in the red um and so that that in some ways limits what you can do i think unless they can get a lot of help from donors or or, or figure out some other way to do that um and you know but i think you know it, you know again to go back to what uh Don, on alcavera said today he said something along the lines of you know i'm committed to do anything to help this team you know get back to where it belongs and you can certainly interpret it as, you know, we're going to find ways to support this team better financially. Um, and I don't know how that'll happen, but, but uh, you know, kind of traditionally the tech has been towards the bottom and, or in the middle of the agency. And uh, I mean, if, I guess if, you know, the people that are involved feel like, okay, we, we've got to go out and, and find the best coach we can, or if they, they, you know, they go with the route they often have is, you know, getting someone on the rise or, 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 you know, someone that, or that they can get a little cheaper. Um, I guess that's to determine, but, um, but yeah, so I <laughs> think your question very, very well. I guess I, I didn't I did really think I'm not really sure. I think, well, you know, they're, they're really sorting out. And so I, yeah, it's hard to, hard to say.
0: So let me say it like this, you know, Ken, because I, I, I think where, and look, I'm a fan of tech. I, I've been here 30 years and, you know, hell, when I got here, Bill Lewis was coaching him to a winless season. I mean, so, you know, I've mm-hmm. seen the ups and downs. And, you know, I know people talk about recruiting, but, hell, George O'Leary didn't have a problem getting NFL kids in here. Obviously, Chan Gailey brought in maybe right. the greatest player ever in program history in here in Calvin Johnson. So, I mean, you had mm-hmm. those kinds of guys that were here. My thing is right. right now, Tech can't be worried about trying to win a press conference they need to go find a football coach. They need to find not a rah-rah guy. It, 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 mm-hmm. can, be, it can be not sexy. And, and I'm not talking about like Paul Johnson because there's – I'll tell you one thing, Ken. There's getting to be a lot of revisionist history about Paul's last four years here at Tech and how good mm-hmm. they really were. You know, they came off that Orange Bowl season with a three-win team the next year and won right. one conference game. So the idea of what – all that stuff Paul Johnson did – his last four years, he he started that in his eighth year at the program. So my point is, I know people love Deion Sanders and those kinds of things. I'm not worried about winning the press conference. I need to find somebody who's got coaching experience at a high enough level that can recruit around Atlanta, build a wall. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not competing with Georgia, but don't let state and some of those programs take your guys. And it just seems right. like, you know, I know tech. Getting the rah rah, and they wanted to go a different direction than Paul. But this seems like one of those hires where maybe maybe not sexy is the best thing for tech right now.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, there certainly don't make it your priority. Uh, you know, I was talking with a former tech coach to their day, and he said something I mean, made a lot of sense to me. You know, the, the best branding is winning. Yeah, and you know, maybe fans aren't going to be excited initially, but yeah, if you if you win eight games and, and you know, make it tough for Georgia,
0: and maybe sometimes beat them. You, you're going to have all the fans. Well, you but need. but Ken, um, let me let me step so, in. Yeah, so, let me let me step in for one second. Ken. Yeah, with all due respect, nobody uh, in the country is beating Georgia right now. So while right. I while oh, I, yes, while, yeah, while, yes. I <laughs> while I understand the idea of yeah. you want to beat your in-state rival, I get that. Right. But it should be right now. Beat Virginia, Duke, right. Virginia Tech, North Carolina. Right. Forget Georgia because you're not competing. Listen, there's nobody, even Alabama right now is going to struggle to keep up with Georgia. Right. Like there ain't yeah. nobody yeah. in America right now at that level. But you're not at the level of Virginia, Virginia Tech, North Carolina. Look at what Mac Brown's done just in a few years, how relevant he's made North Carolina. My point is mm-hmm. that that's where the focus has to be. Build my program within the ACC. I can't worry about Georgia. I can't even worry about Clemson. I just have to find a way mm-hmm. to navigate the coastal. And it feels like if they worry about sexiness and things like that, they're going to get crushed again with the person that they hire because they're going to come in here and realize that the roster is not that good and it's not as easy to recruit here as whatever, you know, you know, technical you or whatever like that. All right.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I mean, you, whatever the hire is, yeah, you, you got to win because obviously they, the Jeff Collins' tenure was was kind of that. He was someone that had had go and, and wasn't able to deliver the wins um, for for various reasons. So yeah, they, you know, I think I think Texans would be probably happy if if they even if it weren't someone they were excited about, if, if they knew okay this guy could coach. And, and he's going to get
0: us some Well, Let go. me tell you, there's a there's a lot to have to figure out. And boy, this is going to be this this AD coach hire is going to be fascinating to watch because that Coastal's prime for the taking. And, you know, listen, nobody has tried to assert themselves in the Coastal. So follow Ken on Twitter. He's at K Segura AJC. Of course, AJC.com is where you check out all of his work. And of course, join us here on the waitfor.com hotline. Kenny, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. Thanks for a few minutes uh, tonight, and I'm sure we'll chat soon because we'll start to get some dominoes to fall on what's going to happen over there.
1: Right? Uh, yeah, it's uh, not quite the season. But, well, sure. problem. I mean it's not interesting for the reason we were hoping. But, but, yeah, hey, looks, Ken, if you rem- well,
0: if, if, sure. Ken, if you remember when we talked last time, I told you that I thought that the Central Florida game was the swing game. I thought
2: okay. I, per-
0: I I personally thought he would get the pit game, and then they would let him. I thought they'd let him go up to pit. Probably lose Uh that game and then come back and fire Mm -hmm. him. But they didn't even wait for that. They won and three. And after that performance on Sunday, 400 something yards, and you scored 10 points. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. get it. But anyway, Kenny, as always, buddy, appreciate it, man. Thanks for a few minutes tonight.
1: Yeah, you bet.
0: You got when uh, we get back, it'll be time for What's Bugging Chuckery. What do you expect from Kim Mulkey? This is what she is. We'll talk about that next. Chuckery in the K Studios. Sports right now to the game, Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back out of the John Chucker Show, hanging out in the Key Studios Tuesday night with you, 4047410929. That is the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey app is how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at on the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, you can follow me on my personal Twitter page. That would be at JMCH316. Hey, uh, the Falcons took care of business in Seattle for their first win of the season. Don't forget, you can get continued reaction with Peachtree Football, Bo Morgan. And I remember this guy, Dylan Matthews. You remember him day day Yeah. Remember? He, yeah. At, I remember at one time he was hired on to be a producer. Right. Now I guess he's just doing podcasts now. <laughs> uh, they bring you along with what went right what went wrong. Follow Peachtree Football on the Odyssey app wherever you get your podcast from. So, um. So, again, um, good to see Dylan's in the podcast world now because we know he doesn't produce. So, anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know, I uh, – as I say, I I talk to Jarvis more times per day than I talk to Dylan in I, – I talk to Jarvis more in a day than I do Dylan in a week. But, anyway, uh, needless to say, uh, Braves and Nationals. Uh, Braves are up 4-2 to two right now. Muller's got uh, four and two-thirds innings. Actually, he's got uh, – Yeah. He's got uh, – I think they're actually in the fifth fifth inning now, if I'm not uh, not mistaken. So I think it's top of the fifth right now. Muller's got uh, a couple of runs. He's given up six hits, four strikeouts, 86 pitches thus far for him. Uh, McHugh – sorry, McHugh actually came in and got the last out of the fifth inning. So Muller went four and two-thirds with 86 pitches and a couple of runs. McHugh came in and got the final out. So now we're in the top of the sixth inning right now, and uh, Washington's made a change as well at, uh, at pitchers, so um, Arcia has homered for the Braves, Ronnie homered in this game, so he's got a hit and an RBI and a run scored uh, tonight. Dansby's one for three, Olsen one for three, so uh, Michael Harris continues to play outstanding. He's got a triple tonight, and he's one for two with a couple of RBI in this game, but good to see Matt Olsen kind of coming around and getting some things figured out, right? You know, up until last night, he was hitting like, I think it was 111 or something like that in the month of September. It's been brutal in the month of September for Matt Olson, and he's not driving the ball out of the ballpark, and then he had the big night. Listen, there's nothing nothing to get you on track in baseball than the Nationals pitching staff. Like, if you're struggling and you can't get anything figured out, Get a three game set against the Nationals pitching staff. So, Braves are leading four to two. Guess what, though? As we're in the top of the fifth, Miami leads the Mets right now four to three. So, good news all the way around. Again, Braves win, Mets lose. We're tied for the division. And the Braves, of course, will wrap up this series against the Nationals coming up tomorrow. Off day on Thursday, and then they get ready for Friday. And again, the weather is going to be the big issue. And I think if you're baseball, you have to be overly cautious. Like what you don't want to do is put a rain delay after two or three innings for an hour. That game, what was it the was it the game? Um, oh gosh, Sunday, right? Sunday's game that had like the hour plus rain delay. Because hell, the Falcons were done by about the time the Braves were. On Sunday. That's absurd. Like, you can't have that and screw up these two teams over the weekend. If you have to delay it and, and play it at the end of the playoff and in a regular season or something, do that. Because these three games with the Mets are too important to, like, mess around with whether delays us or whatever. I, you you got you to gotta make it fair for both teams. Can't, like Bob Nightingale said, and we'll replay that interview coming up in about an hour from right now can't move the game but you also don't want to have an hour or two de- rain delay you, you don't want to like mess around if you can't play it you can't play it and you find another day to play it but if you can't play it you don't just try to squeeze it in for the sake of getting it in and we get rain delayed and we screw it all up and bad weather conditions and you know bad field conditions whatever so too important of a series to mess around with all that so We'll see what happens on Friday night as the Braves will play their second-to-last series. Obviously, after, after tonight, you only got seven games left, right? Two series and one game left with the Nationals, and that will be it. So we'll keep you up to date all night long about what goes on with Braves baseball as they are up right now 4-2 to two as uh, we're in the top of the sixth inning. And again, the Mets are losing 4-3 to three as they are in the top of the fifth inning. All right, speaking of uh, not losing, let's get to something we call What's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for what's bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 929, the game. I just have to laugh at the media. Because so many people in the media get this full outrage over things that, yes, they're kind of crazy, yes. You expect more, but if you don't understand the situation that you're going into, then that's bad on you. That's not bad on them. That's bad on you. The specific thing I'm talking about is, did you see LSU's women's basketball coach, Kim Mulkey? Okay? Now, how many times on this show have we talked about Kim Mulkey? that she's nuts, right? She's very successful, but she's now the LSU coach where she used to be Baylor's head coach. So she was at a press conference, and obviously, if you don't know, Brittany Greiner played for Kim Mulkey at Baylor. They had one of the best programs in, in college basketball, and she's a multi-time national championship coach is Kim Mulkey. One of the most successful women's coaches in the history of the sport. But she's a kook. And I'll give you an example here in just a second. But she was asked by a reporter, quote, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Brittany Griner situation. I don't think I've seen anything from you on that. Kim Mulkey's quote, with her eyes rolling, and you won't. And, of course, the faux outrage media went nuts. Oh, Why is she not responding? Brittany Griner played for her, blah, 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 blah. Okay, day-day, let's go back in time a few years. Mm -hmm. When she was wrapping up her last couple of years at Baylor as the women's head coach, do you remember the Brenda Tracy situation that happened at Baylor? Yes. She was gang-raped and drugged and gang-raped by football players, Right. right? Yep. And, and that whole thing, and obviously it led to the collapse of Art Briles right. as the coach there. Right. Right? Remember Kim Mulkey's comment where she gave that speech at center court for Baylor basketball and said, if, if you have a young daughter that doesn't want to come to Baylor, you need to punch her right in the face. Right. Okay? So we know she's a kook. <laughs> right. She's always been a kook. And now we get the faux outrage. Oh, my God, I can't believe she wouldn't say anything. Because she's a kook. She's not going to say anything. The same woman who said, if you don't want to come to Baylor after a girl was drugged and gang raped by football players, you should punch your daughter in the face. What did you think? She was going to give you a dissertation on Brittany Griner? You think she gives a crap or really cares that much? Or you think she's going to agree with what you think about her? Of course not. She's a kook. And she was a kook years ago talking about punching your daughter in the face if she didn't want to come to Baylor because some high-profile athlete got drugged and gang-raped by the football team. And hey, no big deal, a coach lost his job, we got suspended, players got in trouble, but you should punch your daughter in the face if she doesn't want to come to Baylor. And now you expect her, that same woman who gave you that dissertation then, you expect her to do something other than roll her eyes and say you won't hear anything about Brittany Griner. Of course not. Why is it I know that, but nobody else in the fake, phony, blue checkmark, faux, outraged media doesn't understand that? I've been in the media for 10 minutes, and I understand that. Well, you have to ask the question, and I expect her... Why? Why would you expect a kook to give you an answer that is something other than from the town of Kookville? You're dealing with a kook. You can... Ask her the question, but everybody had their, and again, this was so funny, everybody on Twitter with their faux outrage. Oh, Brittany Griner's former coach. She won two national titles with her. Why won't she say anything? Because Kim Mulkey's a kook. That's why. This is not hard to figure out. Instead of having your blue checkmark media fake phony faux outrage, call me. I'm at JMCH 316-404-741-0929. If you're a blue checkmark media person with your faux, fake, phony outrage about Kim Mulkey, call me and I'll explain it. And you'll say, Chuckery, the, the, the media person, Day uh, Day, you be the fake, faux, outraged, blue checkmark media person. Okay, I got okay? you. All and right. so you've called in. And Mm -hmm. now I want you to ask me, say, Chuckery, why won't Kim Mulkey comment about this Brittany Griner situation? Hey, Chuckery, why won't uh, Kim Mulkey? Because she's a kook. (laughs) Because she's a kook from the town of Kookville. She's nuts. She's the same woman who said punch your daughter in the mouth, in the face, if she didn't want to come to Baylor after a girl was drugged and gang raped there. Punch her in the face. That's why. There's no, You don't have to dig deeper into it than that. Sometimes people tell you what they are, and she's a kook. She's a great basketball coach, one of the most successful coaches in the entire history of college basketball. Look, Pat Summitt's the greatest coach ever. Kim Mulkey's in that next group of coaches all time. That's how successful she is. She had one of the great programs of all time at Baylor. But... Day-Day, you're the fake faux outraged media, and you want answers, and you can't get them, and you called in at 404-741-0929, and you ask me what? Why? What is her problem? Because she's a kook. That's <laughs> what. She's a kook. She's nuts. But we have to have Twitter dissertations about all of this. Oh, I can't believe, and I'm fake outraged and faux outraged, and I have my blue check mark, and I'm all faux outraged. You don't have to overthink these things in life. If she's a kook, then she's a kook, and she was a kook before, and she's still a kook. And that's what you get, Day Day. Do you know what happens when you ask a kook a question? Huh? <laughs> you get a kook answer. <laughs> That's simple. You're not going to get deeper insight. You're not going to be able to peel back the onion and try to read into it. Sometimes people tell you exactly what they are. And you don't need to get fake outraged about it that you'd expect an answer and you would think that she would do this and you think that she would comment. Why? She doesn't care. I guarantee you. She thinks Brittany Griner, it's all her fault, which it may be. But I guarantee you, you're not going to get a rational answer out of her, which is why she didn't say anything, because she'd give you some kook answer. And if she gave you a kook answer, guess what? Then they'd be all outraged at that. People will tell you what they are. There's no need to be blue check mark, faux fake outraged about somebody who's a kook. When you ask them a question and they give you a kook answer, then you just write the words out and you move it along. And that's what's bugging Chuck Reed. We get back from the top of the hour. Uh, this is an I told you so from April. Again, this wasn't the hardest thing in the world to predict, but it is a good sign for the Atlanta Braves. We'll talk about that next. Chuck the Key Studios. Sports right now to the game, Odyssey.com app.